Hi folks, welcome to Agency Unfiltered. I'm your host, Kevin Dunn, and Agency Unfiltered is a weekly web series and podcast that interviews agency owners, founders, and executives from around the world about operations, growth, and scale. Episodes can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. Today we have Amber Chemist, Chief Operating Officer at Revenue River, join the show. Amber's here to talk about senior leadership, why these folks are important, and why solutions partners should be thinking about and planning for their own tier of senior leaders. Amber starts by sharing her team's current org chart and the types of roles and functions she views as needing senior leadership positions at the top. She then goes on to explain the role of these senior leaders. For example, are they assigned to clients and provide billable hours, or are they primarily focused for scaling operations internally? Amber then shares her interpretation of the talent market today. Why is it so hard to find senior leader talent in 2022? And how does she make the call of moving existing talent up to senior positions versus looking externally? We then wrap with her tips, tactics, and recommendations for finding, timing, and mitigating risks with senior talent in today's talent ecosystem. Agency Unfiltered begins right now. Welcome to Agency Unfiltered. How are you doing? Hey, Kevin. Good. Thanks for having me. Where are we dialing in from? Uh, I know Revenue River. Is that Does that mean you're in Colorado? It does not. Uh, we are a pretty hybrid company, so I am in Bismarck, North Dakota right now. Oh, wow. Okay. What's the latest in Bismarck? How are we doing in Bismarck? You know, we don't have snow on the ground right now, so it's, a, it's pretty good. It's exciting. Y- you know, it's not unlike Massachusetts in that regard, where once the calendar turns to like, you know, April, you're like, okay, I think I can confidently put the snow shovel away. Like, I think we made it, you know? And so it's glad to hear that you're at the same page. Pretty much. But then, you know, we hang it up and put it away and we'll wake up tomorrow and regret that. So we'll, we'll see. (laughs) And be buried. Yeah. Now this is just definitely not a Dave Matthews band podcast, but anytime he comes up, I have to plug him in. He has a, uh, a deep cut a song, not on any album, but he plays it occasionally called Bismarck. Have you ever heard of it? I've never heard of that song, but I do know that Dave Matthews has spent a lot of time in Bismarck, actually. So I can understand the inspiration yeah. for the song. Definitely worth checking out. It's a pretty good tune. I'll pivot away from Dave because like, I could really just, I'll, I could talk to him about him the whole time. But we're here to talk about, uh, which I think, flash in the pan, by the way, you, you reached out, you're like, Kev, I think this is worth digging into. We're like, let's definitely get this on the books ASAP. So I'm glad that we're chatting today. But we're here to talk about uh, like growing the tier of senior leaders and, and I think the unique challenges that partners are being faced with uh, because of the, the talent market or the talent ecosystem and the way in which uh, you know, the employment opportunities are surfacing today. So I, I'm excited to dig into it. Maybe the best place to start is to anchor it from Revenue Rivers, like the context from Revenue River. So what does the org chart look like today? And where within that org chart are you identifying the need for the role, the function of, hey, we need a senior leader position here Um, and and where you landed on how, right? How did you determine that? So that's a lot, but let's start there and and see where it takes us. Yeah, yeah, that is a lot to unpack. But I think um, 
our org structure is reflective of the services that we provide. We are a, a full service agency. And so that means that we're doing everything from producing content for our clients, rev ops, website redesigns, um, and even the traditional inbound marketing growth oriented type of services. So because we are pretty diverse in what we actually provide, that means our org chart is pretty reflective of that. We have a content team and that has a senior leader. We have a RevOps team and that has a senior leader. We have a web team and that has a senior leader. So for us, our org chart is, um, we have a lot of different leaders in those different disciplines. And what's interesting is that when we service clients, they're not going to just buy one thing. Um, sometimes they do, but we are doing a lot of cross-sell, upsell. So we often will see um, that those those departments are cross-functional. They're, they have to speak to each other to make sure that if the content team is using one project management system tool, that the, the web team is doing the same thing because we don't want our customers to feel like they have a discombobulated um, experience in working with us. So senior leaders, um, definitely in, in different disciplines across the agency, um, but but they all have to work together pretty closely based on our org chart today. Uh, that's helpful context. And so is the role of a senior leader for each one of these specializations like domains, is their role to facilitate or enable like that cross team collaboration, where else do they plug into? Like, why are these folks so valuable to the success of, of your team, but also your clients work? Yeah, I think um, there there's a couple things that are, that are important to keep in mind with senior leaders. The first one is that um, senior leaders are people managers, right? They're, they're the ones that are working closely with our client service teams and the ones that are coaching and developing people into, um, different position or into a, into whatever's next for that, that, that particular role or person. Um, so they are people managers in a lot of, mm -hmm. a lot of sense. Um, that that's a really key piece of it. But then I think the second piece is that they are the ones that are defining process. And, and if you're a fast growing agency, they're the ones that are defining process long before you even need it. Um, and because what will end up happening if you don't Ideally, have those things in place. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and when you when you don't have them in place, what ends up happening is those senior leaders end up being a bottleneck. They end up being um, the go to for pretty much everything that needs to happen in an agency or that world in that that department. Um, and and that's just not scalable if your if your goal is to scale. So them defining processes and that really how we service, what our services look like, is is very key. People management. And it does take working with other leaders in those other areas to make sure that, for example, if we're gonna, going to create um, a workflow or a nurture series for a client, that might take our content team and our RevOps team to work together. Well, they have to be on the same page in terms of what the actual job to be done is and defining that process together. They can't do it in isolation. That makes uh, a ton of sense. It sounds like well, obviously, process development is like at the crux of being able to scale as an organization, right? Um, yeah. And the senior leaders coming into into play here in the org chart, they allow that to happen proactively, as you called it out, right? Because if it's reactive or if nobody owns it as a primary responsibility, you know, who's to say it'll ever happen? So the proactive process development uh, definitely unlocks a team's ability to scale is, is what I'm, my interpretation of what you said, which makes uh, a whole lot of sense. 
Let me ask you this. On the flip side, other than ha- needing senior leaders uh, within your organization, what is your interpretation of the talent market in the talent ecosystem today? Are these are candidates for these positions uh, available and out there and open to working for, for Solutions Partners? Yeah, um, I think what we've seen in the last couple of years in in the HubSpot Solution Partner world is is very unique. Um, and there's a few different things that have happened. Um, one, all, a lot of people were became open to remote work. Um, agencies decided that hey, we can we we can be an agency and be remote, um, which completely opened up a lot of opportunities for senior leaders. I know a lot of people and peers that that went to a new agency or went to a new career or maybe even left agency world altogether and went to corporate because corporate companies now were like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll let you work from your home in Bismarck, North Dakota. Um, so yeah, proximity to HQ is no longer a qualifier, right? That just it, it opens up the, the talent pool. Exactly. So because of that, senior leaders definitely shuffled, moved around. Um, but it also meant that if you did have great senior leaders, you had to be very great, good at secure, keeping them happy uh, in their roles. And um, I think some agencies have done a great job of that. Not all have. Um, I think especially if you weren't remote before, you've had to learn how to be remote. And that's in itself creates a different type of culture and environment for people to work in. So that's one one factor. I think the other big thing besides um, remote work just opening up the the opportunities for senior leaders is that the demand at the same time the demand for HubSpot has grown. Um, the HubSpot's grown so fast in multiple ways. Obviously, more customers is one piece of that, but the other piece of it is that the software itself has grown and become more complex. Um, and and HubSpot has released more features than they ever have before in the last couple of years. And keeping pace with that means that being a senior leader is a little bit harder or even just talent in general and keeping pace is, is a little bit harder. So you combine the fact that people have more opportunities, senior leaders now need to, to learn and grow more to stay at the same pace of HubSpot's growth. It has, I think, created a huge shortage of senior leadership. Um, and and yeah we yeah it makes sense right <laughs> uh, the depth and breadth of experience with a growingly complex software uh uh sorry I'll, I'll ask that one more time um i think we might be working through a minor lag too but uh I've, it's Slightly. like uh it's like when uh the the main desk of a newsroom goes out to a correspondent in the field. You always sense like the 15 sec, like the five second delay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but to your point, the, the depth and breadth of the HubSpot software today and where it continues to grow, it exacerbates the need for that type of skills. Like it's never been more valuable to have somebody with that true hands-on experience and expertise within the software. Right. And it sounds like partners are definitely feeling that. I I think so. Um, I just had a conversation with another partner leader um, and, and one of the things she said to me was like, Hey, Amber, do you think it's critical that my client services leader has HubSpot experience? And because the one I have right now doesn't, and I can feel it. I can feel the pain of it. And I 
could totally relate because I had hired, made a similar hire, um, thought that placing the bet on, on client service experience over HubSpot experience would be, would pay off. It didn't like that, like learn from me, please. If you, if you're listening to this, like it didn't pan out because that, that learning curve is, is, is steep, um, when it comes to HubSpot. And so having people who do understand HubSpot is, is helpful. Now, does that mean all of your talent has to know it out of the gate? I don't think so, but senior leaders who know it are going to be more equipped to, to be effective at their role. How do you find the balance between setting up internal folks to grow into these senior leadership positions versus when the immediacy of a need requires you to look external, right? If there's a shortage externally, how do you balance the need versus, you know, growing the, the folks that you already have on staff or on the team? Yeah, I think I think this really goes back to succession planning and agencies who did a good job with succession planning probably a year or two years ago, two years ago, uh, are sitting in a pretty good place today, honestly. Um, if you haven't done that and the talent isn't available externally, I mean, it is right, but but you're gonna have to to steal it a little bit. Like the agency world used to be small enough where we'd be like, I wouldn't want to go take talent from another agency partner, right? And I still don't want to do that. But at the same time, the partner world has grown, and um, the reality is that happy people are already in jobs, and you have to make your place look happier, look better be more, uh, have more growth opportunity. Everybody's motivated by different things. So whatever that thing is that your agency can offer, you have to make that attractive if you want to bring in the external people. Now that, that can't be your only solution yeah. though. That's a, be, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just, just to double click on that. Cause it's such an important piece. There's, I didn't think we'd go down this route, but it makes a ton of sense in that. Like, yeah, you need to have a really, really strong culture and be a place that looks to be an attractive place to take uh, so, like someone to take their career. Right. Um, I think you had mentioned, yes, like you have to enable remote first work, right. And be okay with a distributed team. How else, how, how else do you, how else is the group intentional about being a place that folks are, are happy to work at and want to continue to work at? Right. I think you covered some of them, but what else do you, what else do you have to be intentional about? If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's a great question. What else do you have to be intentional? About? Um, I think one one tip I heard from a recruiter a few months ago that I didn't really think about is one, like just your brand appearing more remote to speak to that aspect of it. Um, a lot of companies still have office p- pictures on their website. If you go on our website today, I, you're going to call me a hypocrite because we do like we're in the process of actually changing that because if your website reads, we're an office first company, you don't candidates aren't going to think that that you're remote friendly. Um, beyond that, the remote aspect though, I think one thing that's unique in our agency world is people are often, what I've seen is that people, m- money isn't going to always win, win over the, the person uh, or a senior leader. They may be just as excited about what's my long-term growth. Can I be a leader in a fast growing agency? Um, that in itself is, is valuable. Your status in the in the agency world, what you're, are you winning awards? Are you um, driving out great case studies and great work? What are the types of clients you work with? If you serve, if you do not do a great job of of selecting your clients and you put 
poor fit clients in front of your team day after day, you're never going to get those senior leaders in the door or to stay because they care about working with companies that are committed to um, and and engaged in working with your agency. So types of clients that you bring on board is really key to that attractiveness. So, I mean, the growth opportunities, the the way in which the team and the agency is positioned in the marketplace, the types of clients you can work with, right? That makes a ton of sense. You had mentioned too that sometimes, sometimes those are the elements that may uh, be weighed more heavily than just the pure compensation. But I'm also assuming that based on the market today, most partners can anticipate on paying a premium for these types of senior talent. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, inflation's a real thing, right? So um, they can expect to pay more, but they also can get smart about what markets they're looking for that talent in. Um, If you're looking for someone in the Bay Area, then you're probably going to expect that that senior leader to want more money because it costs more money to be where they're at Um, versus someone living in Iowa who probably has a much lower cost of living, right? So I remote has kind of created this whole different realm of comp and cost of living and how you factor that into comp decisions. But I do think that there are a lot of great senior leaders out there that even if they want a higher comp, and that is important, if they're not living in New York City, might mean that they have a more more in-line expectations with what partners can expect. But in general, I think uh, from two years ago, partners should expect to pay a, a, a bit more of a premium. Keeping in mind, you can work yeah, around it a little bit. I guess it's contextual. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like comparing year over year for sure. But yeah, I mean, again, talking about the remote distributed world that we now live in, yeah, cost of living situations are different and so you can get creative there. Are there any other creative avenues for finding this this the senior talent tier of employees, any other tactics or tips, places you look, uh, channels you leverage, like where else and how else can you uh, seek these folks out externally? If you are a senior, if you are a senior leader and you have several senior leaders already on your team, their network, building their network. Um, I have been fortunate that I have, I placed a priority on my brand and my network years ago and it's paying off years later in in that I it does help me find talent when I need it. If you don't have that and you don't have a team that prioritizes their brand, their even on LinkedIn um or any really your website a- anywhere, um it's it, it's going to hurt you because they're not bringing in like-minded individuals and and getting the word out when you do need to find people. And so Growing your network in this space is really, I think, a, a big thing that you can be doing as a leader to help grow and get more senior leaders. Because while someone might not be looking for a job today, two months down the road, their family is about to grow and and they want to move and their company won't let them or something happens. Like if you're in their inbox or you're on their LinkedIn feed that, that at that moment, you might be the first person they end up calling. Yeah, so it's really just uh, enabling your existing group of senior leaders to establish their personal brands and grow their networks uh, and just being uh, visible, uh, but also just helping being like organic promoters of the opportunities that may that may occur within that organization. That's a great call. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we we had touched on it a little bit, but then we, we backed we backed up a second. But then for a minute, we were talking about uh, existing teams and how we balance the need for external 
uh, folks to fill these senior leadership positions versus finding the opportunities to grow folks internally? How What's the determining factor on when a particular role opens up and whether there's somebody that may be a fit internal versus having to take the hunt outside the walls of you know Revenue River? Yeah, I think the first thing is to to start grooming people to be ready for that senior leadership well before you need it. Um, one of the things we do at Revenue River is we have what's called rotational leadership. So basically, you can apply to be in it and be a part of the group. And we're some of those people are not managers; they're not um, directors. They're they're just wanting to get better at being a leader, and and that point might come a year from now, six years from now, but but helping to groom people well before they're needed, I think is 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 a big piece of, of promoting internally and giving them opportunities to practice those skills. Um, we talked about earlier like service develop developing services as being a key part of of what happens with senior leaders or what they should be doing. Um, they're there's opportunity for people to practice that to help define services long before they have the title to to do so. And I think when you give people that experience, they're going to be ready down the road for you when 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 needed. If you need it now, though, and you're like, who do I look to? How do I know? Um, one thing I can say is that start small. Give people baby steps. Don't take somebody who's never managed before and give them a team of five or or something like that. Start with one person. That year, six months to a year of them just managing one person could give them the foundation they need to then grow into uh, being a director or something that where, where, where they have more reports. But I think don't take too giant of a leap. Even if someone, and I think the one thing that leaders often make a, a, a mistake with is they think they take their top performers, right? And it's and the, the, this usually happens with sales teams where they take the top performing salesperson and you put them into a manager role and they don't do well as a manager, uh, sales manager. The same is true of consultants too. So if you have someone who's a top designer, doesn't mean that they're going to be a great senior leader and be able to manage a team of five. Um, but how do you know that? You take baby steps. You give them one person um, versus five. And, and I think that also speaks to something else you can do from an internal perspective in that, um, don't, you, you want to give, you want to have kind of your span of influence spread out a little bit or spit or, or your managers to essentially, um, you don't want to put it all on one person. The more you have like one person managing 10 people, it just isn't effective they get overloaded. So when you're actually designing your org chart, design it in a way that gives that allows there to be multiple tiers and growth opportunities and not such big leaps from frontline contributor to then all of a sudden being a a director for example. Right. So the layers but it also like yeah, bite-sized progression to properly prepare somebody, right? But then obviously uh, building the org chart in a way too. So you're not inundating, you're like overworking somebody in a managerial position by having too large of a team, right? So I think there's ways to, to parse it out that way. Um, it's interesting you had brought up the fact that not every strong individual contributor is going to be a really strong manager. I forget what it's, I think it's, is it the Peter principle where everyone gets mm-hmm. promoted until they're at the degree of incompetence, right? So it's like that. And, and also 
the skills required to be a really strong individual contributor. I think you had mentioned a web designer as an example. Like that doesn't mean or going to enable one to one transfer of skills for like people management and that whole thing too, right? So it's it's really good callouts. And again, I would imagine that's also all the considerations you bring in when thinking about our, how to take this search externally and who is exactly the right fit in this moment of time for a, a senior leadership role. You had mentioned directors uh, a couple different times. Is that is that kind of the line of how you would define senior leader? Is it folks that would take on a director uh, and above type role? Yeah. Well, I think the the term leader, we all could be leaders, right? It doesn't matter what your title is. Um, I, I do believe that everybody has an opportunity to be a leader, um, senior leader and, and kind of like to put it in the context of this whole conversation and director, I think every org has different, has different levels for us. Levels are, you can actually be a senior, a senior manager, a director, VP, or then in the C-suite, um, uh, if for other agencies, director could mean slightly different things, but I think Director is often in our in our case means that you're managing a team of five plus people. Um, you're you yeah. have a line of revenue rolling up to you, and you're measured based on not just how your team is is performing, but also how is that service area performing as a whole. So um, to us, that's what kind of what I when I say director, that's that's what I mean. Yeah, that's a fair that's a fair note, and it's yeah. There's not a one to one match across. You know, you survey fifteen. HubSpot solutions partners and each one of them will have different labels and titles and the way in which teams are shaped. So that's totally, but it's also to your point. Yeah. Like a direct line you're managing a line of revenue. It's senior leader is more in re, like relative to the scope and size of your team and your program and, and the service offering that you overlook. That makes, that makes a ton of sense. Um, yeah, exactly. Amber, you had brought up the one time that uh, maybe I forget if it was you or a friend or somebody, but there was a, a customer success person or an account management person that they leaned more so for customer service experience and not HubSpot experience. And that didn't necessarily work out so well. Um, I love, not love, but like I find those types of tales so interesting, right? And are there any other pitfalls or like mistakes that you've seen or you've run into yourself in which we can offer caution, use as cautionary tales for other partners? Any way to avoid things that you've bumped into in the past? Yeah, um, Certainly, uh, we can't. We don't have enough time on this podcast to talk about all the lessons learned I've had from mistakes. But I think relevant to this to to this discussion, the most important ones are uh, the talent world right now is is pretty competitive. So um, speed in your hiring process is extremely important. Which is contrary to the advice I would have shared two years ago. Two years ago, I would have been like slow down, make sure you get it right, ask all the questions, go through all the practicums, like make them jump through hoops. Yes, you should do your due diligence still, but don't slow down the process because if you do, that person, great talent, doesn't seek long. Like they'll they'll get opportunities. So keep your hiring process pretty, um, I, I guess, nimble and quick and prioritize when great candidates come on, come in, prioritize them and, and make sure you're having quick conversations uh, to move things along. That'd be one of them. I Don't think. get in your own way. Exactly. Exactly. Because you have a client call that you need to deal with. Bump that. Sorry, clients, like if you're listening to this, but, but 
it'll help in the long run. It does help your clients to prioritize getting senior leaders, interviewing them quickly, moving, you know, moving them through your, your hiring funnel quick, very different from two, from what I, what I would have said in the past, but is a really key piece with, with talent being scarce right now. Um, I would say the, the second, I guess, mistake or thing that I, that I, I have learned is that we kind of talked about this, but the, the big leap, um, I, I have put people and had, you know, promoted them and, and gave them a lot of responsibility really quickly to learn. It was too much, too much to, for them to handle. And you can't reverse that. You can't go back on, on giving someone a promotion. Of course, promotions usually come with pay raises. They adjust their, their, their life to that. Um, and, and then they, if they fail, they, they will now feel like they took a step back. Right. So I actually think that it's better to be cautious than to, than to be, um, aggressive in making promotion decisions overall. Um, I think that I, I, yeah, I think we talked about, I, that those would probably be the two biggest ones. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And I can imagine that there's a lot of partners that, you know, are, are, are proud of their fierce loyalty to the team that they have in house. But, you know, I think you have to just weigh the pros and cons and know that like you're here to set these folks up for success, long-term success. Right. And so the too big of a leap, while it might look like you're doing a service, it's actually a potential disservice for the, the long-term, you know, uh, career for these folks. Yeah. And, and a disservice to their team, right? So they, they, they're going to be responsible for, for other people. If they fail, then that whole team could fail. Um, and I, my, my kind of rule or principle is, are they 80% of the way there? If they're 80% of the way there to being a director or some sort of senior leader, then that 20% difference is, is something you can make up with in a quarter or a couple quarters. But if you start to look at them and you're like, okay, they only have 50% of the requirements, you might want to second guess that decision a little bit because they do have a little, little, almost too much to go to, to be successful in that role just yet. And you'd be better off getting them there in their current role, than making that decision when they've gotten to that 80% mark. Going back real quick to the speed in which you uh, facilitate the hiring process for candidates that you find like, oh, th- this is the talent we need. These are the folks we need. What's the fastest you've ever brought somebody officially on board from need identification to finding the candidate to uh, extending the offer? What's like the absolute fastest you've seen that process rip? That's a great question. I would probably see say, I think three days is, is the fastest, the longest Whoa. six months. Yeah. <laughs> Three days. That's wild. Yeah. Okay. But some way. Okay. Wow. Nice. Yes. But again, yeah. it speaks to yeah. the point, right? If you're finding the right person and the need is identified, then yeah, you don't want to get in, get in your own way of uh, bringing them onto the team. Yeah. And at the same time, um, three days is the fastest. And I can tell you that I've lost candidates in, in under a day or two days as well. So um, if that's just uh, as then- fast as that process can go well, it can immediately turn the other way. You know, one day extra and getting back to them could be all the difference, right? Somebody else has, has got to them. And to your point, in a, in a talent pool that's as scarce uh, or as hard to find, like, yeah, every day matters. It makes a ton of sense. Exactly, exactly. And I would say the last the last thing is um, get a good recruiter. Get, you know, get somebody who can, who can get back to those people quickly to nurture them. Um, and I don't mean external recruiter necessarily, but 
someone internal who is going to nurture your candidates the same way a sales rep would, would nurture a prospect, get somebody in place. Because if you are an agency owner, you might not have the time to, to quickly respond to people and get back to them and make it a hiring process that's under three days. But with some help, you can do that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's always, I mean, again, that's a whole other episode in and of itself. And I often find that outside of roles that are directly billable and, uh, you know, they're, they're delivering work for clients, it's always hard to expand the org chart into some other pockets. But in this regard, having someone full-time dedicated to the recruitment of these types of folks, I can imagine shows a ton of value. Does Revenue River, do you have a recruiter specifically? Is that a function that rolls into like a larger HR responsibility uh, or is it true, like a true recruiter through and through? Yeah, so um, it's funny because I'm going to I'm going to contradict myself a little bit when I respond to this because we actually don't have an in-house recruiter right now. We're we're in a fortunate spot um, ourselves that we probably should have hired one about six months six months ago, but held off because we were in a rapid hiring cycle. We're now out of that rapid hiring cycle. We're actually in a really good place talent wise. Um, so we, we, we put a lot of onus on our directors to manage the funnel a little bit, sure. which they, they don't love, but there's a lot of, you know, they're, they're doing the same thing that it would happen. Um, if we, if we all of a sudden find ourselves hiring aggressively again, then I probably would pull the trigger on an in-house recruiter because they wouldn't be able to support that. Um, but we also do use external recruiters to help us fill talent gaps when needed, which has kind of, you know, when we were in that rapid hiring cycle has helped us because they're the ones nurturing that talent. They're the ones bringing them to us and vetting them, which uh, plays a very similar role to as if they were internal. We just leaned on external help sure. at, during that time. Yeah. And even if you don't have somebody full t- t- f- like on uh, on the team today, you can still be acutely aware of the value that type of person, right? So I think it's still a valid recommendation. It's like, yeah, if you're in an absolute rapid cycle of hiring and growth, or you're you're about to see one, then it's absolutely it sounds like a consideration to to make for your team. Definitely, um, it was one of those things. We were at one of those points where it's like, do you hire this or this? And you know, we went we went the route we did, but. Um, ultimately, if, if you are looking at, if you find yourself trying to hire rapidly, like you said, consider it a, a, a position that's going to pay back dividends. Um, Amber, as we come up on time, um, I wrap every episode with the same question. So I'll be excited to get your perspective on this. What is the strangest part of agency life? Oh, the strangest part of agency life, I would say is... It's probably different for for every 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 person who's answered as I listen to the podcast. So I know that everybody's had some unique perspectives. But but for me, I would say the strangest the strangest part of of agency life is probably that you're serving two different people. Essentially, you're serving the client and you're serving your internal team, especially as a leader. And those two things don't always line up to one another. They don't always have the same intent, but the better you are at, at aligning the two, the, the better you're going to be at your job. But I think that's that's something that's always been strange and, and different about this world and challenging is that you have two people to serve. Um, maybe even Hub, if you consider yourself a HubSpot agency, the third one would be HubSpot as well and the services there. But um but you, but but really, you're serving two different people, and they have different end goals a lot of times. So bringing them together can uh, be valuable, but also a little bit challenging along the way. 
yeah, those goals, uh, their priorities, they're not always going to align, right? I think there's many, many solutions, partners, and people listening that that can empathize with that. You definitely cut through directly to some folks being like, yeah, 100%, right? Um, so yeah, that can be a strange element. Um, Amber, that's all I have. I appreciate you coming in, you dialing in, um, chatting with me about uh, your experiences and, and working through the the talent pool that, uh, you know, there's, there's clear scarcity. And so some, some strategies on, on how to fill these types of senior leadership roles. So thanks so much for, for walking us through that. Uh, it's obviously been a pleasure from my side. Thanks so much. Thanks Kevin. It's been great to be here. All right, everyone. Thank you again for tuning in. This has been another episode of agency unfiltered. 